I'm very happy. I'm broken, but that's okay. But I'm very happy because I've learned what makes me happy. And those things are amazing. And that's all that really matters. So I would say that I'm definitely very happy. I don't know if you're going to see this voice, but I thought I was happy. Are, are you happy? I'm not happy at all. question is, are you happy? Yes. I'm the happiest I've ever been happy? right now. P.S. Be the person who you'd want to meet because somebody needs you. Welcome to Are You Happy? The Happy Hour. And welcome back everyone to another episode of Are You Happy Podcast. Today we venture back into the business world, but oh my, is it an amazing day because whether it's talent, having true vision and helping the world to shine because as he understands it, the world is truly sensational. Now take a moment to understand exactly what that means. The world, you Everyone is sensational. And this man allows many to have that ability to shine with Viral Nation. So let's meet the co-founder and CEO of Viral Nation, Joe Galiese. Joe, how are you today? I am amazing. And thank you, Vanessa, for having me. I am very happy to be here with you and super excited to share. Awesome. Well, we're so glad to have you. I know that for those of you listening, we, we tend to meet our guests a little bit before the interview just to kind of get to know them, but also because we like to kind of tailor the introduction to them and find out some interesting facts. So already we, we know so many interesting things and hopefully we did it justice with pronouncing your name and also a few fun facts about you because that you're amazing already off the bat. Thank you. So tell us, as far as Viral Nation's concerned, going back in time as a young boy, right now where you are, is this where you envisioned you would be when you were a boy? I'd say for me, yes. I'm one of those people who had the entrepreneurial bug from a very early age. So a lot of my younger days and et cetera was thinking about what success looked like and how do I become the most successful version that I can be. Granted, though, I think in those early days, Vanessa, it was it was a lot about money and material things. And how do you become this big entrepreneur who can kind of do and say and, and I think that through the process of getting there, I think where I wanted to go stayed the same, but for much different reasons would be the only difference. But yeah, this has been my dream since I was a little boy. That is so interesting. So were there other influences? Because I doubt that you just came out walking, talking with a Forbes magazine or with a new... Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, I think for me, it was my dad. I grew up in... A, my father's uh, was was a first-generation immigrant to Canada who became a lawyer, which in, in, in his family was a big deal. First one to ever graduate and, and ever kind of get a post-secondary education. And in a lot of ways, that was limiting to him because although he was an entrepreneur at heart... Uh, he felt compelled to make sure that he was setting a really great example for the family. And if you know immigrant Italian families, they're pretty harsh on the school side. But I think that he allowed me to come to him with ideas freely about entrepreneurship. He never stomped me down from being able to to try new things and et cetera. And my mom is a very, very senior executive leader at Microsoft and has had just a brilliant career. And what was interesting was the parallel between those two personalities. You had a woman who came from nothing, who climbed the corporate ranks all the way to the top. And then you had a man who was a first uh, first comer to Canada who became a lawyer and, and, and became an entrepreneur. So I had both things to look at growing up. But I think the privilege that I had, which I recognize now as being an unbelievable asset to me in those early days, was the ability to fail and it to be OK. And I think when I look back at them, the crazy ideas I would pitch them when they were sitting on the couch watching the voice or whatever it may be and say, I got this new idea. And, and it was never, don't do that because it's stupid or it's not going to work or focus on something else. And they were very much open to hearing the concept. It's very much so my parents who, who have enabled the entrepreneurship big time. Yeah. I would say you've had like a power couple parental presentation yeah. there. Oh my goodness. That's like- Well, Vanessa, the, the cool part of it all was two people who never had anything but took two very different paths, right? So I got that support with the caveat of the chip on the shoulder. That mixture of their success, but coming from very little was very, very nice for me to kind of learn both sides while not being capped to be able to kind of go after things creatively. Yes. And that's very beautiful. I think there are so many that can resonate with that concept of coming from nothing and building your way and the understanding that when you do something, it's not a luxury that you have to be able to try many times. You have that one chance. Going back to what you said about your parents and how they had that outlook 
because they came from very limited start. What was that like for them? What or do you know what that was like for them as far as like their perspective on how they approach things for themselves, having come over and started from scratch? Very different. You don't know what you don't know. And I think that sometimes people's largest limiting factors that they just don't know. Right. I've struggled immensely with mental health issues from when I was a young guy to this day. My father and his parents, if my dad would have gone to his parents and said, I have a mental health issue, the dad would have laughed at him and told him to get out. Like, what mental health issue? So lucky to be here. What are you talking about? Get out of my face. Right. So tying that back, they had the balance, I guess, what they didn't want to repeat and what they wanted to foster, but never overstep that in the sense that they tried to tell me what was right and what was wrong if they didn't know. So I got that kind of cool balance with them. And and to bring it full circle, Vanessa, what's really funny is my father is now the in-house counsel of Viral Nation. So he's the counsel for the company. And uh, I appointed my mom uh, to the board of directors of our organization when she retired from Microsoft two months ago. And they've struck a really nice balance to be able to kind of give me the learnings that made them tough, but also allow me the freedoms to learn what they didn't know if that makes sense. It does. It makes perfect sense. And thank you for sharing all of that with us. I find that sometimes people that have histories with issues of of mental illness or, or even other social issues, sometimes those particular issues or what we see as issues end up becoming some of the most uh, formative uh, tools within our professional lives and creative lives. If you're a creative person, I can totally attest to that. So I'm curious to, to know more about you as a young person saying, I already had this mindset about being successful. So tell us more about that. Yeah. So I think that there's certain formulas for entrepreneurship that need to come together in an early time that are not necessarily the best traits in the world, right? Generally, it's really confident. Confidence is huge, especially in the early parts of entrepreneurship when you're the smallest in the room or you're the underdog. And confidence plays such a huge role. Tenacity and kind of willing to kind of do anything. I started in a fury in the sense that I started my first business when I was, I think, 12 or 13 years old selling recycled paintballs. And it felt very much like rat racy as a young guy. I was like, what is the next big opportunity and the way to make money quickly? And when you're very young and then maturing into college and my first job at a bank and etc. And just knowing that I cannot work for someone, I need to figure this out. And, and then I got into university and started launching other businesses. And then I ended up in this really tough predicament where one side, I had a father who was the first one who was educated in the family who basically said, Joe, if you don't finish school, I'm going to disown you. Right. And then the other side of me saying, well, if I can just be so successful, then it'll make the school part not matter. So what is that threshold of success that I need to reach in order for my dad to say, this is as good of an accolade as the school side? And that was a struggle I had for a number of years, called five or six years in the early days of building my business. And through that, call it 20 to 24 or 25, was probably where I was the most lost. And I was young, I was naive, I was trying to make money, I, was, I wanted the finer things in life and you know these types of things. And what was interesting was that tenacity and that attitude and that confidence and et cetera started to move the snowball down the mountain. Right. So I was achieving. And then it started. Right. We started to run a real business. And that came with a level of responsibility that didn't match the original intent. I needed to step up my game. I needed to mature. And then I kind of lost myself to the business process, right? So started as a company with five or six people. Now today, over 400 people, right? So we've we've seen this, this growth curve. And during that, I've had the largest life experience for myself. I built the business from scratch. I've, I've, I've learned on the fly. I've gotten married. I have three kids. And you start to get to this point where I care more about my kids than a car. I care more about spending a weekend with my wife than I do going on a vacation with my buddies. I care more about trying to get off work early to spend more time with my kids than that last meeting. You start to now look at the end goal and equate it to real life things as opposed to material things. And that's because now you're thinking about things. It's almost like the way entrepreneurs think on the onset is the blinder that gets them through it. And then when you reach this pinnacle where Viral Nation raised close do quarter billion dollars at the beginning of the year, things got so real. And when things got that real is when you really have to evaluate, right? And then I'm worried about that. And it just compounded to a point where I was so underwater and I was so at my lowest I've ever been in my life in terms of my anxiety and my depression and stuff that I didn't think I could do it. Like I, I really didn't think I even had the physical 
energy to do it. And that was about three years ago that I really hit the wall. And that's when everything changed for me was I needed to make a change for myself. I need, I need, I, I didn't want to give up what I had done. And I didn't want to give up where I'd gotten to. And and I'd done so much damage to my mind, my body, everything in the process of achieving that goal that I think I needed to hit the ground. And and when I hit the ground, thankfully, because of my family and, and my wife and other things, I was able to really bring it back. But it, it came back in a different sense. And the end goal was about the people who worked for my company. And when we started the conversation about what we're doing next year for young people, it's those things. And then I took a role at the University of Toronto as the entrepreneur in residence. And I, I started to think about things in my business life that would affect how I feel more so than affecting how I get to a financial goal faster. And what's curious about that is that as soon as I started operating like that, the business started growing even faster. So I'm not here to say that I found a magic cure or that. I'm in a perfect place. I probably struggle with anxiety as much as any of the the users who might listen to this who struggle with anxiety, maybe worse, but I'm starting to figure out why. And I think me figuring out why, Vanessa, has helped me to figure out how to fix myself. Because I think when you're focusing on what you can't understand or you have a goal that's not rooted in reality is when your body starts to just, when you got the thing that's real sitting in front of you, it helps you to just guide there in a way that's meaningful, right? So that's kind of my progression through through those different chapters of entrepreneurship and family and stuff like that. But I think that the, the journey changes, not in your thinking, but things force you into those changes over time. And what you're, what you're saying, all of it is, is incredible. And what it reminds me of Ikigai. Have you heard of Ikigai before? I think so. I think Lara, so. are you familiar with Ikigai? She might not be here. <laughs> oh no, I'm very familiar with Ikigai. It's a Japanese, um, it's a Japanese uh concept around around purpose. It's taken off in the West. I actually wrote a blog post about it if you want to look it up later and how I found my own Ikigai. So yeah, yeah, it's really powerful. Yes, audience, Lara has been here with us the whole time. <laughs> but <laughs> I really wanted to bring her in for a second because I, I had a I was thinking maybe she she may know it, especially you know, working in the communications world. It has become like a really big deal in the last year. And I've heard, I've seen it come across so many times and I personally love it. And um actually at the uh, Adobe Max mm-hmm. conference in Los Angeles, it was a big deal this last year as well. So Joe, what you're saying, it totally reminds me of that, of how your your work that you started to do and how once you established that and, and that you were doing meaningful work, your other work life, your other sections started to take off and you were able to now do things that are fulfilling to you in addition to doing the business end as well. And so it kind of reminded me of that. And I know that Ikigai focuses on, on you thinking about what is that you love and what you're good at, what the world needs and what, what you can do for a living and, and various other areas. There's so much more to it, but I find that a lot of business entity CEOs that I come across, they tend to touch on one area. And, and I think it's just amazing that what you're doing with, with the youth and, and all these other initiatives that you have, I think it's really awesome that, that they are thriving. And then so, so is like the business end too, if that makes sense. Two things for the listeners would be one is I'm the last person to follow a step-by-step. I'm the last person who kind of signs up for that thing that's meant to help me. I'm a brute force learning guy. Like, you know, I, I have a flu and I won't take medication. You know, I'm that type. So understanding that that's possible for people like me is important because a lot of people who are like kind of can go to self-deprecation. It, it's your own worst enemy, right? And, and what you're doing is blocking out all these things that can help you because you're not able to engage with them and you know it, right? I was very much able to make that change. The only caveat and the thing I struggle with even now, Vanessa, is like if you get deep and you start exploring the why, right? There is no why. So at some point you reach a decision like with my business, right? Why am I doing this? Like why, what, like why, what, what for is the question, right? And the problem is there's really not an answer because the right answer is not the practical answer. So people have a hard time getting to it, including myself. So you start to rationalize. I'm doing this to build a base for my children so that when they grow up, they're going to be trust fund babies and they're going to be able to do and withstand anything. And I'm doing this all for my kids. And that gets me out of bed. That wears off too quickly. Or you start to feel like you're lying to yourself, which causes the reciprocation and we go backwards. So the problem I have sometimes is, and I don't know the answer, is how much sacrifice are you willing to do to get to that end that end goal? Because you're basically making a decision to sacrifice things that you love and care about that make you happier in order to achieve it. These are the things I, men- I meant earlier around how I've been able to more understand the why. 
so that at least I know the decisions I'm making that are detrimental or for a reason. And I'm making that thing I'm doing it for worth more to me, as opposed to coming up with an excuse that I need to work this much and I need to ignore these people because I'm going to get to this end goal. I really, I really have gotten to the point that's helped me a lot is being honest with myself about what I'm sacrificing and why. And if the why really doesn't make sense, I don't do it. If the why has to make sense, then I do it. So me being more honest with the decisions I'm making for the success of my business and for the success of the people working in my business and then for my family ultimately need to ladder against the reality. And that's helped me a ton. That's very awesome. I, I do have a few more personal questions. And it's a burning question for me is that I'm thinking about earlier when you said you were at, in these dark points, this, these dark years, right? What got you through? And it sounds like family. Was there anything else that pulled you through? to the other side. Listen, with me, you'll learn I'm I'm a very transparent guy and that's how I predicate my whole career. So I tried a number of times to avoid any type of medication stuff. I tried, especially coming from a traditional family, whenever I would bring up the idea of anti-anxiety medication or depression medication, everyone would flip their lid. But I got to a point where I needed it and I needed help. And I worked with my doctor to basically start me on something very small that didn't necessarily going to impact my life in a material way. And she was wonderful with me. And, and she gave me a medication, let's call it three years ago. That's what saved me. That gave me the space that I needed in order to work on the things I needed to fix. The issue was that I had gotten to a point, Vanessa, where I felt like I couldn't breathe. I, I would be driving home and I'd be like, how far is the hospital? Because I feel like I can't breathe. And I thought something was wrong with my lungs. Like it was starting to have real implications on my body. So I went through a lot, all the while built the business and no one knew the ladder right? Like it wasn't like I was coming to work. I was performing. I was getting it done. I was hitting huge milestones. I was doing things that you would never know I was dealing with those issues. No one would have known. Also suppressing it made it so much harder. So what the medication allowed, I did it. I used an anti-anxiety medication that I would take once a day, but it relieved a little bit of the pressure of my hypochondrianism, my bad thoughts, my things that I would worry about. It, it suppressed them just enough. Didn't say, it didn't cure me. I didn't wake up the next morning and you know, run a marathon or anything of that nature, but it just Gave me that little bit of breathing room I needed to make the change. That was huge for me. It allowed me to work on myself. It allowed me to figure out the why. It allowed me the space I needed to feel better. And although since then I've had my moments where certain weeks when things are really hard at the company where I can feel it coming back, like I can feel the thing I shedded sitting there. Mm -hmm. And that's also been motivating because when I feel like I'm getting to that point, I instantly try to make sure I'm getting the help I need from my, my family and my friends and myself. So I've been able to keep it at bay. And that's so important. I think that that's something we don't really talk about is that when you have that particular background and you know what those symptoms are like, you know what certain periods are like for you, that if you see the symptoms coming on and you can identify them ahead of time, it puts you ahead of the game so much. And then you can start to help yourself or, or get help from whoever that you need to. And you seem like you're one to like take take a moment to pause and address it, assess it and move. You're a good human being. And that that is what's most important. And you've you've definitely benefit the world around you. So that's that's excellent. I think the thing, Vanessa, that frustrates the crap out of me is understanding that I can't do anything about it. No one listening to this is ever going to get to perfect. There's no such thing as perfect. And, and, and et cetera. But as soon as you can understand why it's happening, what part of it you can control, and when it creeps back, you know, hey, 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 not going back there. That's like, let's stop that. Mm -hmm. it, 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 it's helpful. But there's no such thing as someone who's truly happy all the time. And there's no such thing as someone who shed anxiety and depression after 10 years and now they walk on water. And also setting the goal that way helps too, because I'm not trying to be perfect. I'm just trying to get on with my life and be as happy as I can. And I'll deal with this shit in stride when I need to. And I'm not embarrassed to talk about it anymore. I was very embarrassed to talk about these things when I was young, extremely, because I felt less better than anyone else. And I felt I was broken or a bit of a loser because I had anxiety. Like who has anxiety? You have everything, man. So I went through that phase and now having conversations like this with you and the fact that we can have it in these types of mediums is huge because Vanessa, I don't think you understand how much you're helping people because it's these types of interactions, one or two people out of millions or a or hundred, that doesn't matter. We need this type of stuff. 
definitely agree. Thank you so much. I think it's amazing how far we've come in terms of having these discussions so openly. It's it's definitely something to celebrate. And, and that relatability and authenticity is huge. I'll give you an example. At the University of Toronto, I have a, a talk coming up in April about mental health and my entire journey of mental health for the school. And my goal is to relate to the young people, not to teach them about mental health. And not to just talk about all the gimmicky stuff and talk to them about make sure you get your exercise. It's finding camaraderie that someone like me can be as successful as I was hindered like that. I've figured that I'm capable of so much more, the more happiness I unlock, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's like running with weights on and then you take them off, right? People who have mental health are actually stronger. Uh, Mental health problems are stronger. They've dealt with things that a regular person hasn't. They know what it's like when other people feel that way. It makes them more sympathetic. I think full retraction is, is not your best friend. I think full action is, is your best friend. And that's one of the biggest things I push at University of Toronto. I think that's amazing for people that that know exactly what you're talking about because they've had that experience. And I'm so glad that you shared that with everyone. But um, I think we're part of the same tribe. We might be twins. I don't know. Listen, at the end of the day, I've had to force myself to love humans through the course of this time. I don't want to get to know people. Strangers scare me. One of the things that I was really excited about talking to you today about, because it's one of my most recent learnings about happiness for me, is energy of the people around you, for me, can can empty the tank. People around me's mood changes can take me down. And I think that's one of my biggest learnings this year in terms of happy is I didn't understand how important it was for my wife to be happy for me to be happy. And when she was off, the effects I would feel were insane. I underestimated how much other people's behavior affects someone with anxiety and depression. Like, it, it's crazy. Like, I, I live and breathe by other people's energy in a way. When you're in the best of moods, I'm in the best of moods. And I feel like when you're not, I'm not. Mm. And then I started to apply that and to other people in my life. And I realized when me and my dad would get into an argument and his tone was that tone, I would be in a depressive state for weeks because he went there. Sometimes it's not you. Half of those times I went down wasn't because I went down. It's because people around me went down and I went down with them. So that was just one of the cool things thinking this morning I was going to chat with you that that I wanted to just kind of hear your perspective on. And if you see that in your life or, or even in people you've spoken to. Yeah, totally. A hundred percent. hundred percent. Yes. I think that's so true. I, I've seen that in real life where the emotions and the output by someone else that you're talking to or working with, it does affect you. Totally does. It's totally relevant. It does happen. I think that the people that we work with here with are you happy. The team is, they're just incredible human beings that their creativity and and their will to just make amazing content, whether it's short form, uh, you know, videos for any anyone that we work with, just because they're such amazing people. I think that that energy feeds to all of us, change lives, change perspectives, make people happy. It's just, you know, it's everything. So yes, the energies around you definitely affect. I, I totally agree. And it actually kind of cues us up for, for our next questions. And I, and I want you to not really like think about it too much, but to answer right off the bat, are you happy? Yes, I'm very happy. I'm broken, but that's okay. But I'm very happy because I've learned what makes me happy. And those things are amazing. And that's all that really matters. And the rest of it for me is just dealing with issues that I have trying to affect that. And what I've learned, Vanessa, is that the things that make me happy are constant and I can control those things. And the only thing that can happen to me now is I get pulled off the pedestal and got to climb back up because the things that make me happy aren't changing. So I would say that I'm definitely very happy. And if you could name a few of those things that make you happy, what are they? First and foremost is, is my kids. Those kids can change my entire chemical makeup in my body in five seconds. Uh, I've never seen anything like it. And because of that, I've become a better dad. I've become a, a really engaged dad. I've become a dad who sacrifices things to spend time with their kids, partially because it's the right thing to do. And I, and, and you, you know, you should always put your kids first, but also selfishly, they're my energy. They're, they're what helps me stay here. And then I would say I'm happy with myself. I'm, imper- I'm perfectly imperfect. I've made a ton of mistakes, said things I shouldn't say, made moves I shouldn't make. But I'm so confident in being a good person and that irregardless of the situation or the outcome, that I'm going to be on the right side of it. So those two constants are what keep me going. And then the rest of it is just an add-on right? Whether that's a a cool experience, whether that's a trip with my family, 
whether that's a material thing, whether that's a new success goal, as long as those two things are in place, I feel really good in my shoes. If you could share a message with the world, any message at all, what would that message be? My message would be that for the first time in history, social media is allowing any person in the world to be sensational. And what I mean by that is there's never been a point in time where a human can make a big of a difference on their own as today. So my advice to everyone is to make sure that you are not a victim of change, but you are a proactive piece of change and you understand what's possible with social media, what's possible on the internet. And what it, the more you educate yourself on these new tools that we have, the more you're going to have the ability to change the world. And we're in a point where some young kid with a voice of an angel in his bathroom ends up inspiring the whole world, right? I know that in this group of listeners, you guys have amazing things that you want people to hear. There's people who love you. There's people who think that you're inspirational because you're great at playing the flute. There's people who are amazing because of the best real estate agent on earth. Everyone's sensational. And what I would say is that use the tools available to you today to break out of that what was confinement, right? We were confined by big media. We were confined by one singular voice. We have so many voices now for you to reach your potential and your maximum potential. Use the tools we have today because there's such a hack to... And, and there's such an opportunity now for people to utilize social media to, to bring their sensation to the world and to make difference for the world. And I don't mean make a difference in mental health or in charity. The difference could be that you just like cooking and you want someone to use your recipe. Uh, the difference could be you want to sell more houses and be the best real estate agent in your state. The reasons are endless of why someone feels like they're sensational at something. It's just now we have the tools to get there. So my frustration, Vanessa, and why I give this advice when I'm asked this question is because you have the mic, it's open, it's ready. And social media is, is, is a tool that can either hurt you or benefit you. So make it benefit you and take advantage of the ability to kind of make different dreams that you have come true in, in any capacity with these new tools. Totally agree. That's amazing. And speaking of social media, let's talk Viral Nation. So tell everyone what Viral Nation is and what your next steps are with it. Yeah, well, Viral Nation Group considers ourselves the social media company, our large organization uh, founded in Canada. We now are all around the world. And Viral Nation is really split into three kind of fundamental businesses. One of them is Viral Nation. Basically, we run the marketing for a lot of the household name brands that you would be familiar with around the world, but we do it in social. So whether that be influencer marketing, helping them on their own social, the content they're creating, the viral videos they're creating, their ambassador programs, their employee advocacy programs, everything that happens on social, we're helping brands transition from what was a media-led world into kind of a social media-led world. And uh, we're the world leader at doing that. Then we have a company called Viral Nation Cloud. We've built uh, close to seven technologies for social media that are proprietary to us that help enable all those things I just listed. So we have influencer marketing tools, we have social media tools, we have content tools, and uh, brands around the world leverage those tools to run their social medias uh, across the board. And then we have Viral Nation Talent. Uh, Talent Plus, which is the largest talent agency in the world for social media creators. So we represent over 600 social media celebrities on YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, uh, everywhere, the larger influencers uh, of the, the influencer economy. And uh, that team's sole focus is to work with individuals to drive the most potential ROI and, and revenue for a digital creator. What's very different for influencers, not very different than yourself, Vanessa, is that influencers don't have that predictable salary. So if I become an MBA star, I have my contract and then the endorsement deals are a bonus, right? Viral Nation Talent Plus is, is, an age, is, a, is a talent company that that that's helping to to create predictability for creators so how do we make sure we have brand deal flow for them how do we make sure we're monetizing their youtube getting them into podcasts getting them into merchandising getting them into brand development working with them with the platforms and really exfoliating what a creator can turn them what they've created on social media into a true enterprise and we've been doing that for over nine years so really we bear hug all of this new social world. And so what are some trending things that you're seeing as far as social? Because earlier before in the pre-interview, we were talking about D.A.R.E. and MAD and all of these programs that are geared toward uh, particular social conversations. You talked about social media being positive and negative. 
Can you talk more about that with our listeners about how Viral Nation works within that sphere and, and what it is that you guys do to promote the more positive versus focusing only on negative? Well, generally up until now, it hasn't been anything at scale. It's been more so internally working with creators, working with their parents to kind of navigate this social world. It wasn't until recently, sometimes, Vanessa, you don't know until you, you've you experienced it. And uh, my stepdaughter just turned 11 and she's actually almost 12. Seeing her over the last year and a half or two years enter that kind of social media age has been really eye-opening for me as a father and as a business owner. I limit my daughter on social media. She's not allowed to use TikTok. She she can only use certain applications for certain periods of time. I think social media is very healthy, but it, with limitations. And I set those principles with her social media so well. And I was sad to see that when she kind of went back to school and et cetera, she was kind of considered the loser for being limited on social media. And her friends were able to look at anything and she wasn't. And I and I and I really started to think to myself, like, geez, there's a real problem here because social media is not a moderated place. Social media, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, unadult supervised is not appropriate for young children. It, it isn't. I could pull up my phone right now and scroll four or five times and you'll see something you would never want your child to see, right? It just kind of really inspired me to think about what's next for our company and how we can make a difference with that type of stuff. Because I don't truly believe that people understand the magnitude of the dangers of social media, especially for young people. So my goal in 2023 is to invest not only in research, to be able to show parents different things that helps them to create that cadence and that conversation, but also we really, 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 really want to make an impact as it relates to kids' safety on social media for, for so many reasons. And it's not just necessarily that we don't want kids to see bad things. There's other factors involved here, like the bullying stuff, and even more notably, attention spans. There's some neurologists and, and some folks who are seeing that because these young people are scrolling through that level of content at that frequency, they're now struggling in school. So the way I see it, Vanessa, is that I'm probably one of the world leaders in the social space. I'm not uh, Zuckerberg, uh, and I didn't create the platforms, but in the tertiary of social media, I've been a huge development force in that in that in that economy. And this problem's bigger than I think people think. And mm -hmm. and this goes back to my talking to you about being happy, right? If my why is just to exploit the industry and make as much money as possible, that's not going to make that's not going to help me. And, it's, and, and if I make a ton of money off it, that's not going to help me either, right? I have money, I'm fine, right? So I really went to my team just a few weeks ago, actually, Vanessa, and I said, you know what? We got to do this. We, we really need to step up to the plate and we got to get out here because until my daughter, it, it's normal that my daughter is limited on social media, we haven't done our job. And we really need to work hard to show that social media can be one of the most incredible education formats on earth. It can be one of the greatest places to change the world. And we've seen that you're doing it. There's so many benefits, but if we ignore all the negatives, we're not helping anybody because for every positive we're getting, we're getting potentially even more negative. So our goal is to try to balance out, yeah, we're advocates of the space and we're big and we represent influencers and all those things, but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't be helping parents and young people understand that social media is dangerous and trying to help it. So that's kind of why we're pushing into that sector is just because I feel like we can make a really big impact. And because we're so close to it, it puts us in a unique position to help even better. So that's kind of our, our, our thesis going into 2023. And I hope maybe we can connect at the end of the year and I can show you the successes of that. But we're really excited about it. Most definitely. I hope we can certainly collaborate on on anything. I think that that's amazing. And we would love to be part of that with you in any way that we can to support you. I, I'm curious, do you hope and I'm sure you do, but do you think that uh, this positive movement and outlook and and uh, the ability to change the conversation and people to promote more positivity and and more creativity, right? Because they can they can do so much with social media, yeah. you know, in a less negative way, in a way that doesn't take down someone else or put someone else yeah. down. Would you hope that for 2023 that that becomes the trend? I would be more than happy. I would be ecstatic. I'd be elated. So many groups and so many cultures and, and so many people have worked so hard to for inclusivity over the last five or six years, especially. And we've seen some of the biggest dramatic changes that we've ever seen. It's not fixed and there's still a long way to go. But the opposite is happening on social media. And, and that's not OK, because if we are saying out of one one side of our mouth that 
social media is this insanely crazy thing that everybody's on for five hours a day and it runs the world and et cetera. The definition of inclusivity needs to transcend from the real world into that world. And I fear that it's not. And I fear that social media is becoming a place where keeping people out is becoming normal, using different tactics to make people feel uncomfortable. I remember when uh, You're Beautiful by... Um, James uh, <laughs> No, no. Um, Christina Aguilera. Ah, I remember when that song came out on Much Music in Canada because it was it was huge because it was the first pop star at that magnitude to really call out and shame kind of media and making women feel uncomfortable in their skin. And I remember that being like, holy shit, like this is great. And, and you know, we've done so much work. And now you have young women sitting at home seeing 7,000 women in a day in scantily clad outfits in non-scantily clad outfits saying and doing things that aren't representative to how they're living their life in the normal world and that magnitude if we thought it was a problem then Vanessa what what is that problem today if that was so big then that the entire world was rallying around it including governments and and you name it today I would I would argue that that problem's a hundred times worse and and these are the things that if we want to if we want to continue to experience the benefits of social media and we want to continue to have people like you do what you do and we want to see all the benefits, we need to tackle the we need to tackle the problem. We need to tackle the problem. And parents need to be a part of that. And we have too many parents, Vanessa, who are just saying, oh, they're just on TikTok, whatever. But what they don't understand is there's content on there that would make them blush would make them uncomfortable. I wouldn't let my kid go into a, a dark room by herself with no one in it, never mind see things that are grossly inappropriate on a daily basis. So I think there's this huge disconnect between education and moderation in the social space. And if we do not fix it, the negative repercussions of social media become so daunting over the positives that it's going to cause a massive problem in the future. And I really don't want that to happen because influencers are epic. They're the best. They are they are inspirational, amazing humans who are just like me and you who got on there and did their thing. I love that. I think some of the, you know, I'm a YouTube watcher. I don't watch TV. I watch YouTube. Um, I love influencers. I love the social space. I love social media for brands. I love people who do what you do, but I hate some of these people on social media with everything I got, because it's not it's not the adult, it's the kids, it's the hiding behind the keyboard. It's mm -hmm. it's being able to say things about race and incite violence and shit just because of likes and the, the, the underbelly is big. And we need to start a lot of us, not just for our nation. We're not even going to make a dent, but we need to start figuring out how we protect this next generation from it, how we moderate it so that we get the beauty from it and we start figuring out ways to get rid of the dirty side of it, right? And it's imperative. It is beyond imperative that we start to think about those things. Having the conversation period is is important. I have two older daughters and my son's the youngest. So I became a girl dad, right? The threat to young women is so high. You have no idea. You have direct access to communications that parents aren't able to see. Unprecedented. That's never happened before. And, and I hate to tell you, my I caught my daughter once. We were on a family vacation. She was messaging some friends from school on an app on her iPad. When I got the iPad, when she went to bed, that app was gone and everything was deleted. So she's 11. So the problem being that anybody can access these young women. Number one. Number two is you don't know the person on the other side to be in their network, who their mom and social allows for such ambiguity that yeah. there's really no way of telling. Right. And again, unprecedented. You have the ability to send anything you want to whoever you want at any given time, which means that at any given time, your daughter could receive something provocative, something uh, grotesque. Mm -hmm. something awful. You don't know the tone. This is, I'm just in the DMs here, right? And then you have the friendships that are created. As a parent, we're always about, your kid needs to have good friends. It's all about the good friends. Now they can have a thousand friends. And these thousand people can be from anywhere in the world. That's a whole other thing. Then there's the fact that the algorithms serve you what you engage with the most. And young women are engaging with things that make them unhappy. 
that make them self-conscious. And then they serve those things over and over and over again. And I can tell you as a young man who dealt with very serious self-esteem issues because of my weight, each time they see it doesn't get better. I promise you. And they're seeing it four or five hundreds a day, four or five hundred times a day. I was seeing it maybe once a week. So when you start to look at history and fact, and you start to look at where we're going right now, in fact, this is a very serious problem. And I don't see anybody talking about it. I don't see anyone meaningful talking about it. I don't see anyone stepping up to the plate about it. And more importantly, I don't want my daughter to feel ridiculed because I'm doing it right. I think that I want the parent who's not managing their child on social better to be the outlier. And think about how big that problem is, Vanessa, for my daughter to go to school and say, hey, I'm not allowed to use TikTok and her be ridiculed for it. So it's almost like you're telling me that my daughter's going to be bullied for me protecting her. Steps backward. And we, we got to fix it. Yeah. I mean, they're the only documentary that, that I've seen that even remotely scratches the surface is I think it was a social dilemma, maybe. But there's not enough of them. There needs to be more. There needs to be more, more content, more documentaries, more discussions for sure. And I'm curious when it comes to your your people, your content creators, because you guys do provide that service. What is the conversation for them when it comes to working with Viral Nation? It's delicate because some of the influencers don't have a lot of acumen in our kids too. So it's, you, you got to balance it. You can't just kind of hit them with it. You got to educate them why. And the other unfortunate piece about social media is that negative content performs better. Mm-hmm. So you're also telling them to shy away from things that they know will do really well in advancing their career. See how all this is backwards? It's sure. it's oddly backwards, uh, right? What we've done is internally we've set standards of what we're willing to stand behind and what we're willing what we're not, and that's clear. And then we make a really serious effort to have these conversations and we've been working on a product Vanessa for the last year uh, and a half in development called uh, VN Plus. It comes out early next year, but essentially it's a tool that allows people to learn social media each platform individually so that they become become an expert and start to use it. And it's kind of like Duolingo for social media. I love I've been working, I've been, yeah, I've been working on the project for five and a half years personally, and it's been in development for a year and a half. And it's like my crown jewel because the goal is everyone's exceptional. We just need to help you understand how to use social. And we've been finding, Vanessa, that like, if you want to become a politician, you need to have social. If you want to become the next singer, you need to have social. If you want to create a, a podcast that gets listened to in, in, a, in, a, in a complex market, you need to have social. Like social is no longer a nice thing to have. In a lot of cases, it's, it, you have to have it. And I feel like we're getting to a point now where people are actually in working their butt off. And, and not realizing the reward because they just don't understand social. And as a part of that, there'll be learnings and education that we embed based on all the things I'm saying into there, which is really important. And we're also making a, parent, a parental version to be able to do the same thing. So we, we are working towards those types of things. Now, commercially, right, we really feel like we're reaching a point in the world where everyone needs to understand how to use social media, just like we all had to learn how to make a website. We all had to use, we all had to learn how to use Google. We, we want to really be the catalyst for that. But Again, convincing someone that something's bad that they find such benefit in is so hard. A young person who has 100,000 followers on TikTok doesn't want to say TikTok's bad, right? And that's the other part of the problem is that the dopamine and that that comes from having followers, that comes from the engagement of social, creates almost like an army man out of you to protect the platform. So that's why I think a lot of this negative stuff is is compressed because people don't want to feel like they're part of the problem. They just want to reap the reward. So it's a really delicate conversation to have with the creators. So what we try to do is just kind of walk them into it and, and have them understand it and then set some precedent on our side of who we want to represent and why. And who do we want to work with and why? And making sure that we're doing our part in trying to make sure we're not using folks who are who are obviously hurting young people or doing things that are outside of the norm. But that's the extent. And hopefully these technologies we're building help them to get there a little bit faster and make it a little bit more practical. Yeah, because yeah. the whole goal of that product was, Vanessa's like, I'm so sick of every time I tell someone what I do, they always say, oh, I sh- why did I do this job? I should have done that job. Like there's so much FOMO to using social media to better yourself, right? But no one, because it's complicated, people don't go for it. So mm-hmm. we're trying to uncomplicate the complicated and, and, and try to help an average everyday individual. This isn't for Mr. Beast or you know these big creators. That's not what it's for. This is for 
you know, the mom in Texas who makes kick-ass recipes who she's never told anyone about. And she's watches these ladies on Instagram. She wants to do it too. Yeah. Or it's the person who's the activist who has like a huge message and wants to understand how to use social to get it out there faster. We're just trying to make access to understanding how to use social media to benefit yourself in whatever reason or why that might be easier for everyday people. That That's kind of the premise. And then from there, we're going to weave in the learnings, right? So that we know that, yeah, we're building people to push into this space, but at least we're doing it with the integrity of we're, we're, we're making them from the onset understand what's dangerous, what's possible, what's not yeah. possible. Small business in America is getting hammered by digital and Amazons and Walmarts. And you know, I know we've been talking about that for 20 years, but the reality is it's getting worse and worse and worse and worse. But what the big companies don't know is that small businesses haven't figured out social yet. Because when small businesses figure out social and aggregate, they will kick the big guys' butts. Because our, us consumers, we like that more. The problem is that all of these social media tools were developed for community management and not necessarily how to turn social media into a channel. Because earlier on, Vanessa, when social media tools were being developed, like Hootsuite and you know these types of kind of tools to help make the process more efficient, that was at a time where like, oh, do we need to do social media? If we need to do it, we got to make it easy. Now it's like, Social media is the driving force of all the sales of my small business. I need to do more than manage this thing. I got to figure out how to use it. And that's kind of where we're going is, is not about, sure, we have a scheduler and we can do custom hashtags and we can bring in captions. And we can do all the, the cool stuff that you're used to. But it's how do you enable the person doing the social media to unlock their creativity? How do they make a video? How do they take a product shot? How do they engage with other audiences to bring customers to them? It's like almost actioning social media. Mm -hmm. As opposed to just using it better. We love amazing people. People love amazing people, right? So what this does is now the small business owner who you don't have any relationship with, none, is now you're following them on Instagram and she's being inspirational and giving ideas about what flowers she can make or showing you stuff. We fall in love with that. We want that. That human connection, no Nike or Walmart can ever create. So by enabling the small businesses to do that just right. It's not creating any magic potions. We're not saying you're going to be the next Mr. Beast burger. That's not what this is for. But just unlocking the knowledge and the tools to be able to do it efficiently so that Rick, who's 65 at the hardware store, and Anna, who's 38 at the cookie shop, have the same starting point is what we're trying to create. Is how do you give the everyday person the same ability? Because right now, it's led by people who are inherently very creative, inherently young, inherently forward thinking. And you have all these amazing business owners out there who are suffering, who don't know that by just following a, the right cadence on Instagram for their business and using inspiration to help them post will create 30% lift in their business in the first 30 days because they don't know that they're, 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 they don't know. And that's yeah. the problem, right? Is there anything that we didn't cover uh, that you want to cover, whether it's about Viral Nation or about anything else that we didn't cover today? No, the, the only thing I, I could mention is one of the things that I've learned. Uh, we built a we built another product, Vanessa, which is called Viral Nation Secure. And what it allows people to do is basically run their social history and be able to make sure that there's nothing living back there that they don't want to be living back there. Again, back to the dangers, right? There's young people who are now kind of in their 30s who have a lot of content living out in the ether that they don't know what's there, what's not. And the product we developed is there to help people to, to, to understand what the past looks like and monitor it moving forward so that they can use social media appropriately. And I, I just wanted to stress the use of social media, not only at work, but as an entrepreneur and as an everyday civilian comes with risk. And you need to be very thoughtful about what you're posting, why you're posting it and how you're posting it. Well, for what reason? Because we live in a world today where one small thing or one misstep on social media could mean your job. It could mean your friends. It could mean a number of things. And I've seen really amazing people make honest mistakes and those mistakes have haunted them. So I always try to leave conversations with take an extra moment to think about your image and your brand reputation on social media and making sure that you're doing your, your best effort to have that seen as what you want people to see it as. And I fear that sometimes people are too hunky-dory with it and they just kind of do what they want. And then when they mature, like I went through, they run a risk. So making sure that you are carrying yourself in real life the same way you are on social media is very important. And I see it becoming a big danger for people over time. So just any listener who's listening, just the importance of your brand, even though you're a regular everyday person is becoming really important. And I don't think people understand how important that is. And I'd love people to. Yeah. I think that's amazing. That is so true. And and 
I think that a lot of our listeners are are thinking the same thing I am, which is, wow, based off your words, there are going to be so many people that are going to now take that that Joe approach and, and, and really think of their brand and think of how they put themselves out there. And here's the thing, Vanessa, you want it to matter for so many reasons, right? Like as a parent, screw the work thing. You don't want that stuff coming back to your kids. You don't want that stuff surfacing. I think that's the problem with social media. It seems like such a, a need, but it is a want. People feel like it's a different place. It's not. And, you know, what I can tell you is that in the hiring world in the United States, we're seeing a huge influx of requirements to make sure that your social media is screened because what they don't want to do is Nike doesn't want to hire someone, put them on the HR team only to find out that they're making far right anti-Semitic comments on social and then have to walk that whole thing back. And then they feel bad for the department and the colleagues. Social media, again, back to that risk. It's the bottom part of social media that we all kind of ignore. It, it is scary. And it's something that people need to think about preemptively especially young people coming out of college, getting their first job. If we want to use social media openly and, and not privately, because obviously privately, that's your own life and, 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 you know, do your thing. But when I've decided that I want to show the world these things, I'm accepting that now I have a brand. So if I've decided that that's okay, then if I have really heinous views on something and I'm publishing them, I, I believe that it's, it's, it's Walmart's right to be able to not put you in or, or to accept you into that into that role because it's not right for the colleagues and it's not right for the business. So young people need to understand that although so posting on social media can take 35 milliseconds, the lasting effects of social media, especially going into this future of digital, become very important. And, and, and the more we think about that today, the easier it's going to become not just for you, but your kids in the future and, and that next cohort. We need to set the precedent that if we're going to be out there in the world, we need to be representing ourselves in the right way. And, and that I find to be uh, extremely important. Definitely important. And thank you so much for staying over. I know we, we we only had an hour, but we've been here for a while. And thank you. No, I've had so much fun. And I thank you for reaching out to me. I Again, I love what you guys do. I, I, I've really enjoyed speaking to you and you giving me a platform. This is not the stuff I generally talk about on you usually tasked with talking about why Twitter is doing what they do or why Facebook changed this or what influencer marketing and being able to talk to you from a personal perspective and to have you ask the questions you I really appreciate it. It was really nice for me. Hey, I'm so happy to hear that. For our audience to follow you, to find you, to keep an eye out on everything that you're building. This is so exciting. Where can they find you? Website, social, all that good stuff. Viral Nation, you can Google Viral Nation, you can Google Viral Nation Talent or, or any of the Viral Nation companies. I'm active on LinkedIn. So that's just my name, Joe Galiese. And then uh, I have Instagram um, at Joey Viral. I don't, that's more of my like, I'm not a big influencer. I'm more of a family guy on there. So if you're looking for real information, I'd say LinkedIn and, and, and is probably a better place. We'll definitely be in touch for sure. If you would hang out after the show and then we will wrap up and chat about some other things. So, cool. so lovely to have you both. Alara, thanks for making a, a small interjection spotlight. That was awesome. So great. So thank you again for being here and I hope you have the best Wednesday of your life. Thank you. The Are You Happy Hour and Are You Happy Hotline are brought to you by Are You Happy Podcast. Be sure to follow us on social media such as Instagram and subscribe via your favorite podcast platform. Are You Happy? The docuseries can also be found on social media such as Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. See you guys next time for another wonderful episode of Are You Happy? The Happy Hour.